getting all fired up before the damn thing even starts. Hey everybody, it's Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Hey, it's the off-season. If you're a motorcycle racer or you need a contract done or you've been involved in an accident, go check out Alex Asante, Bike911.com. I'm sure the dude's slammed right now, Jason, because there's a ton of movement going on in the Moto America paddock and people are looking for riders and looking for teams and all kinds of stuff. But how are you, Jason Pridmore? How are you? I am great. I'm good. I'm, uh... I went on a little four-day quick, quick getaway, and uh, dude, I went up to Sheboygan. How great is that? I went up there at a completely different time of year. It was gorgeous. It's already went snowing. Up there, already snowing went, in Sheboygan? No, no, no. It was perfect. 65 degrees. Went and saw Petey at, um, you know, Pete from Gemini. Hung out with him a little bit, which I love. Saw did you go to our Dougie. Italian restaurant for dinner? I saw Dougie Lincoln. I did. I, I went to the Prohibition Cafe. I did. Oh, yes. the Prohibition Cafe. Oh, my God. Yeah, the pizza. Right. Place is good. Oh, Went to went to the old Z spot, you know, my coffee spot. No. And uh, I, it's funny, you know, because I, I had gotten to know the, the guy that runs that place so well. Last two years, GW, as you know, we've got Airbnbs up there. So I haven't been making the trip back into Sheboygan to go get coffee. So I had my friend Rob with me on this little trip and the, the actual dining room was closed because it was like seven in the morning. drive through was open. I pull up to the drive through and he opens the window. He's like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, Come in through the back. <laughs> Went in through the back. Total like total Midwest feel, you know. Like come in through yeah, the back. Yeah, super and, super nice. Folks. And I'll make you some breakfast and and you know, really, like, yeah, oh yeah. So he made us like like breakfast sandwiches and coffees, and we just chilled out. And there were like a couple local like family, couple a couple of his family members and local people. There was like four people in the whole place on the inside, and you know he included us in that, which was really a neat thing and. So this, I guess, this I, yeah, we had a podcast is sponsored by what's the name of the place? Z Spot. If you're in Sheboygan, in you got to go to Sheboygan. Z Spot. Yeah, not Sheboygan. Z. Sheboygan, not G Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Get it right. Z, <laughs> Z Spot. Yeah, that's where yeah. you get coffee in Sheboygan. Yeah. Tell them Jason Pridmore sent you. Great, great people. And then I got to. We went to a Brewer game. I've never been to a you know G Dub. I mean, you and I. We like our sports, but we don't go out of our way to go to sporting events. But I, I got this like kind of I like going to all the ballparks and just checking them out. I think that, you know, when you when you look at the designs of different ballparks and stuff, and I'd never been to the one in Milwaukee. So my buddy Rob and, and Pete and then I got Dougie, Dougie to come with us, Dougie Lincoln to come. And uh, we all sat uh, like eight, uh, maybe 12 rows back behind home plate. And what nice. a great stadium that was. So we went to a kill, killed a Brewers game. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so you were you were in the hat. That's adorable. Oh yeah, Dougie. You're got wearing me a yep. you're wearing a yep. Brewers hat, and I'm wearing oh, a yeah. Boston breach. Yeah. Hashtag into the breach. Yeah, it's really. Cute. I'm very excited because Call of Duty Professional League, man, their first tournament of 2023 is actually happening in December in Raleigh. First major. Hmm. I wish I I wish I knew someone who works somewhere so I could get some passes. Be nice, but do they it's pretty G-Dub, Because I don't know much about that. Is it? Yeah. Can could you get a commentating job on that stuff too? Or is it like, not like that? They do. They call them codcasters actually. Um, cause call of duty, they call them codcasters. But honestly, Jason, the, the pace is so incredibly fast and the way that they cut it is unreal. They literally have, so there's, it's, it's when they play, it's four V four. Yeah. Okay. So four people versus four. So they have a team of people that are watching each team's, POVs of each player they're communicating with the director 
So you have like, I think two people. So you have four people that are watching this and they're saying like, this player is getting ready to get into an engagement with this person or this person. You know what I mean? Like yep. it is, it's, I've seen the behind the scenes. It's nuts. So it's, it's like pretty I, fast moving. Yeah. It's yeah. And the guys who do it, um, the guys and gals who do it are like ex pro players. I mean, there's one guy who's on the, they like have a desk right at the event. They'll have a desk. So they go, they have, three or four commentating teams during the day and okay. each each team does just one match. So no, not really. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know the game. I mean, I think I could now I could now, but these guys are really, really good at what they do. They're expert they players. Stuff, they yeah. understand movement. They understand strategies. They understand, you know, just kind of the nature of the game and stuff. It's, it's, it's difficult to learn. One yeah, of the things right, that's right. been really good is, is a person who who I'm pretty close with on the archery side of things. Um, the owner of the ASA, he came to, uh, you know, Jersey this year. We got a two-up ride. He got the Moto America code, and he's been watching, right, like nonstop. And what he said to me the other day was, the thing that I love about watching you guys, the two of us and our and our pit reporters, is that he he doesn't know anything about motorcycle racing. He knew nothing until September of this year. And he's so educated on what's happening, on the things that are going on, on how the riders ride these bikes, that it just keeps making him want to watch more and more and more. Now that the season's over, he's watching the VOD stuff, the video on demand stuff all the time and going back and listening to more of the broadcast. It's really difficult to pick up a Call of Duty professional game because the commentators don't ever think about the newbie. You know yep. what I mean? Someone just tuning in. So you have to be kind of committed to it to do it. And actually, when I watch, I, I take that, you know, that kind of cue and the frustration of of learning the game over the last two years, you know, since COVID or whatever. And that's what I try to bring into our broadcast to make sure that we satisfy yeah. that hardcore person, but also make sure that's that the exactly new viewers right. engage. Right. You and I talk about this all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's this year, you know, I've become kind of that guy because I've gotten so into NHRA and it's been such a pleasure for me to know Brian Loans, who's the, who's the voice of NHRA on Fox. Uh, he has gotten super into our series, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really fun because I've learned a lot by listening to him. I've learned so much about what drag racing entails and, if you get a chance to follow him on, on Instagram, he's, he's, it's amazing. Cause he goes through the history of the sport and, but him and, and Cruz Pedregon in the booth with him, they explain things, but at the beginning of the show, G-Dub, they do a thing where they actually explain what each car is, the the weight limits, the horsepower, you know, what the actual cars are. And it's like, you know, for the purist, everybody knows what the cars are, but for guys like you or me who are just tuning in and just starting to learn about it, when you start seeing the numbers that they spit about what these cars actually are doing, uh, it's incredible. It, it captivates you. So it's kind of like what you said. You, we, we have to be able to talk to people that have been watching racing for 20, 30 years, 10 years, whatever. But we've also got to be aware of the new people that are coming into the sport that maybe saw saw it on in a maybe saw maybe they saw a race sitting in a bar but couldn't hear the commentary and so the next time it came on they listened to it and they you got to educate them so no it's mm-hmm. it's 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 great and um but yeah like going going to these different places and seeing different things and and uh learning about different stuff is 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 kind of what life's all about it's pretty fun so it, it is it yeah. is and that's that that's the joy of traveling 
You know what I mean? Yeah, when you get to go right. around yeah. and experience, I mean, you experience the people at Z cafe or whatever, you know, like just the yeah. Midwest hospitality and stuff like that. And it's like, it's such a great story to understand that humanity of it all. You know what I mean? That people it's, like you and stuff. People know, are so cool. nice. They're so nice. And like Dougie says to me, he goes, he's like, the burgers are really good here at the stadium. And I'm like, ah, oh. and they were amazing. And I was, and then they have like custard, they have custard. Right. So then it's like, really? Oh yeah. No, the place was like, it was cool. We had, we had a great time. And then I went down to Chicago and I got to play Cog Hill, which is a very famous golf course that was like beyond difficult. And, but it was just fun. It was a good trip. I'm home now. I'm looking forward to getting back out to the racetrack this weekend and, and doing some coaching and riding. And I, you know, I haven't been doing that. And, you know, pretty much since mid August, G-Dub, I have been traveling. I've been on the go. I've spent maybe six or seven nights in my own bed. And, um, you know, now we're getting into that. I mean, Greg, it's October. I know. Daytona's I right know, around the corner. <laughs> it's right around the corner. If you're, yeah, if you're preparing to run the 200, man. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, but, but listen, we still have racing going on. Thank goodness. Only, only three MotoGP races left. We've got a couple World Superbike races left this year. But let's go ahead and get into the news presented by Arai. Let's do it. Hey, you know, racers put on Arai helmets because they love Arai helmets. But listen, from MotoGP to Formula One, Arai is chosen by many top riders and drivers, and this offers Arai a wealth of feedback at the highest levels of racing. Many Formula One drivers and top-level motorcycle racers use standard Arai sizes. Just think of it. Standard Arai sizes are good enough for world champion contenders to perform at their peak under the most extreme race conditions. These are exactly the same size helmet customers can buy at your Arai dealer with micro-fitting options included in the helmet as well. AraiAmericas.com is your website. Run down to your local dealer for fitment. Take a look at uh, in your off hours of maybe a colorway that you want. Get yourself an Arai helmet. All right. That was new read. I've got to polish that one up a little bit. But Moto2 racer Jorge Navarro is out of the MotoGP paddock at the end of the year. He's on his way to World SBK with the announcement that, and thank goodness, that Dominic Agurter gets promoted to World Superbike, replacing Kota Nizane. My bad last week, right? We talked about it on the podcast. I was like, I don't see him getting replaced. Literally like four hours later, the press release came out. But yeah. uh, Agurter's going to the GRT Yamaha team. Now, the Spaniard Navarro will go to World Supersport on the Tenkata Racing Yamaha. Thoughts about those two big moves? Uh, well-deserved for a Gerda. Um, really well-deserved. You know, it's really funny because I got a text. Um, I think it was Kyle Wyman and I, we were we were texting. Anyways, he basically, we were both kind of bummed that the news came out about a Gerda because we were kind of wondering, like, what if Ganyu would have gone over there and done really well? Not that there was any speculation about him staying, but the big question you and I have had kind of is like, why are they going over there? Like, what is the reason? And if Gagne really impresses now, there's really nowhere for him to go. He's coming back here. I get it all. But it's like, there is that feel of like, what if he goes over and does extraordinarily well? That said, Agurta's done beyond extraordinarily well in his last two years. He double world, he, I think he's going to be a double world champion just this year alone with Moto E. He's already wrapped that up, and I think he'll wrap up World Supersport unless something crazy happens. Um, he should have had that last year as well, as you and I have documented on this podcast. Yeah. So, like, ideally, the guy could have won four world championships in the last two years, and he's more than deserving. 
GW, what is the reason why guys like a Goethe, when you look at him, why is it that somebody like he has been incredible in super sport? Like I watch every one of those races. Okay. And he, I know what the guy does, how he thinks like now it's like we were watching a race from uh, Catalonia when we were on the road, I think in Barber and that we were in the house and I'm like, this is what he's going to do. And that's exactly what he did because I've seen his, how he does things. And but why is it that a guy like a Gerda never really seems to get the respect that he deserves? In the sense that it, you almost feel like if there would have been any other high-profile guy, they would have hired him over a Gerda. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just one of those guys that doesn't really seem to get the the due that he deserves. Because on paper, the guy looks like he more than belongs in World Superbike now, right? He was a little pissed off last year he didn't get something. And I'm glad he went there rather than Pachetti. Yeah, I, I think it's a multitude of reasons. You know, we've seen people like Josh Hayes was like that, right? For years, Josh Hayes could not get on a factory bike. And then finally, he gets on Yamaha and then he ends up like, you know, setting sail. But I mean, you know, we talked about it on this podcast with Hayes. It did The clip didn't make it in because we had some technical issues, but he talked about how you saved his career. He didn't have a ride for an off season. And then, you know, you called him up and, and you and Richard put him on attack and that revitalized his entire career. But still it was like those secondary teams, you know what I mean? Arian and all this kind of stuff. And he never really got that deal. And back then we always, always used to say like, why, why, why With is a Gerner? Not- I don't know. So I don't weird. know, but I could tell so you this, weird. Jay, there's a perception. This is the thing that I find very interesting. There's a perception that moto two is better than World Superbike or World Supersport. In terms of, if you go from Moto2 to World Superbike paddock, you're taking a step backwards. And I don't necessarily think that that's the case. You know, I think that, yeah, when you look at it, there's there's talent in both both sides of the, the fence. But in World Supersport, I think maybe there's a there's a, a larger gap in terms of, like, the, the quality of the teams and the quality of the machinery because we're not all racing on the same chassis or the same motor like Moto2 is. And and I think that in the last few years, some of the riders that have come from Moto2 into World Superbike slash World Supersport are starting to change that perception a little bit. I think I think that World Supersport, when you look at it now, it's ultra competitive. I, what's weird to me is Dominic Agurta, he won in Moto2, if you remember. Yeah. Way back in the day. Um, and he kind of had to revitalize his own career once he got booted out of that MotoGP paddock and didn't really have anywhere to go. And he's done a really nice job in doing that. I don't know how old Dominic is. He's got to be, I mean, he's got to be early thirties or, you know, you'll pull it up. I'm sure. But I think it's 32. Yeah. I would think he's early thirties. It has to be, I wouldn't even, you know, it almost feels like he's older than that even. But, but anyways, Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that, you know, when you look at him and what he's accomplished um, uh, in World Supersport, it's incredible. Jorge Navarro has been nowhere but on the ground this year. Like, he's always crashing. He's never upright. And then he just kind of gets to step right into a world championship winning team and bike. It's it's really beyond – it's really bizarre to me how that uh, a rider can go from having essentially no results, throwing it on the deck every single weekend – and jump into the best seat that there is, right? So, I, I mean, I say the best seat there sponsorship? is. Sponsorship? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it always comes down to the dollar, doesn't it? A lot of times. So, but but yeah. 
anyways, I just, think I, I don't, really I don't know. Weird. See, that's, that's the thing. It's how we do it in the States is, is it's not dramatically different. It's just different. A lot of times in Europe, sponsors are going to attach themselves to young racers because they see the potential or they're betting on the potential. And then that sponsor is going to aid them and help them get rides. And I mean, Jay, you know, you know it as well as I do, like how many people are actually getting paid in Moto2 to race. Correct. It's very, very few people. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about as much as you can count on one hand. The rest of them, it's a paid ride in some form or another, or, or people are riding for free. So it's a situation where you're just like, hmm, we don't know, you know, the we don't know the full story of all of it and how it all works. But for a guy like Dominic Gerter, it's, I mean, he's had one. Donnie's doing so it's a step up in the direction for that team <clears throat> they're starting with two new riders next year with Remy Gardner and and uh, Dominic Agurda I mean you look at like a Remy Gardner the guy won a world championship last year and he just gets expelled essentially yeah. from the paddock so I just think that there's so many more things that get involved now and in, and in, with keeping a ride or having a ride um there's just so many things. So, all right, let's talk about uh, yeah. our next topic. In let's an interview it. on GP1.com, Danilo Petrucci said that he has options in Moto America and SBK. Now, I also heard possibly BSB, World Superbike. Um, he says that he's considering taking 2023 to train for the Dakar 2024. What do you think is going to happen with Petrucci? I mean, first and foremost, do you think that he'll be back to the States? And then what do you think is going to happen? Man, I don't know. I I don't know. You know more than I do about if he's going to come back here. And I, I, I honestly, Greg, it's like the conversation we had with Danilo on Sunday evening. Man, the guy is such a good guy to just sit and talk to. I just don't really, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say I don't want, I don't believe, but I don't, I don't like, I don't know if I really care. Like, mm. I, I, I don't know how to say what I'm saying. There's so much hype around Petrucci. And I, uh, maybe yeah, I'm like just the Petrucci thing's it. gonna sort itself out and like Moto he's gonna go to car, he's gonna go whatever. to Moto America, he's gonna go BSB, he's gonna take a year off. Who like just whatever, man. Like where let me know where he ends up. Just, like, I guess at the end of the day, let me know where he ends up so I can watch him and that's it. And if he ends up over here, great. If he ends up in BSB, if he ends up doing Dakar, if he ends up I don't know, slinging a tennis racket around, whatever he's doing, like great. I, I just don't I'm not understanding all of this like there's a lot of hype around the guy. A lot of hype. Is it just me? Or is it, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be, I like, no. the guy. I got no problem with him, but I don't really and listen. To I, be I honest, can't really Jason, say, I, I don't really believe everything that's said all the time in regards to Petrucci because it's like, it's, it changes every day. Everything changes every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not being look, negative. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed having him in Moto America, right? I've, I've enjoyed my conversations with him. I, I really, he soured me when he started shitting all over the series at the beginning of the year, but he really didn't, you know, didn't do that at the end, you know, middle and the end of the season after he got a talking to. Um, so, you know, overall as a person, I like him. And there's no question that Petrucci brought exposure to the series. And obviously with what happened with Gagne and Petrucci, although they never raced each other heads up, it was a good talking point, a good championship down to the end, you know, with Petrucci admitting that Gagne is just faster, period, you know. And yeah, on, and he's a, obviously got. He's very well in tune with the motorcycle. Like he knows the Ducati very well. But 
I mean, yeah, I so find I'm it. With you, I find like, it. You know, we'll like just the see thing what is, happens, like wherever he ends up with Danilo, it was like, I look that bike, the Ducati is is a weapon, and I get it, and I understand too that it's developed around Pirelli's. I understand that also. But is there is there anybody in the world that you could throw on a Ducati right now that could come and compete with Gagne? I believe they're out there somewhere that can compete with him in the dry, somewhere. Um, but you know, I just don't know. Like with Danilo, it's just always, oh, I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to go do that now, and then I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to go do that. And it's like on the daily, it's like, uh, like Petrucci kind of finished where I thought he'd finish over there in Thailand. It's a like to just step into a team like that. And be able to go compete against those guys all the time. It's, I mean, it can't even begin to tell you how hard that is. And, and listen, he, Petrucci set expectations low. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was, it was, it's the MotoGP media that loves him so much that was just hyping, hyping, hyping. And it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not I saying leave the stuff. guy alone by any stretch, no, but it's like, no, no, no. You know, the, it, it, every, everything goes against you. And the fact that, Petrucci admits he wasn't in shape. He told us he's 175 pounds this year on a GP bike. That is like, come 100, on. 125 pounds of that is legs. <laughs> yeah, he's got... Guy's he's, got he, some tree stumps on him, man. Yeah, yeah. He definitely has got some The thighs. thing is, is that I feel like I feel like we're... I'm not talking bad about it. I just don't get... I don't... Like, I don't get the the hype that much. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to, like... Having him here in the series is amazing. I love it. Um, and I thought it was great. I mean, look, if Jason, but if he commits to the series, it's it's a talking point. If he doesn't, he, he, then he then he won the okay. He won, we'll see you next time. He won the races this year, GW that he should have won. Yeah, hundred percent. At Coda, he won both both of you know Gagne and 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 Cam had issues and beginning of the year. I mean, Skultz kept kept him kind of honest at that track at Coda, but and then at it, the first race in Atlanta, Gagne crashes. Petrucci won. Right, yeah. So that was three races. He won in the Gagne ring. Gagne crashed out of the lead. Yep. Right. And then he crashed out of the Gagne crashes out of the lead at Brainerd. Gagne, Petrucci won, and then in the rain at Jersey, we already know how great the guy is in the rain. If every race was in the rain, maybe he'd be champion. But every race isn't in the rain. So again, well, the, I, the other I know thing, it sounds we were, like we're, I'm souring everything. I'm not. I'm just saying that like wherever he ends up is where he's going to end up. I don't know why it gets talked about every day. Yeah, good good point. All right, um, let's move on then. So speaking of Moto America, Jay, I wanted to go over some stuff. I tweeted out today a little bit about some rule stuff. Um, so 2023, there's a couple rules that are changing that are general rules and a couple rules that are specific to classes. I'm just going to talk about three real quickly. One of them is the backup bike rule. So I'm going to explain it a little bit. So the way it works is currently in Moto America, only in the Medallia Superbike class are you allowed to have a motorcycle that's built and ready to race as a backup bike. The rest, if, if you were in Twins Cup, let's say, and you destroyed your bike and you literally rolled off a built bike off the trailer, you'd get you'd get fined. You get penalized for doing that. And the reason for the initial thought of that was cost. The rule is being changed for this year where every class, every team is going to allowed to have a built backup bike. It's not a two-bike rule. That's what I was led to believe at the beginning. It's not a two bike rule. It's a backup bike rule. So, I mean, most teams have another bike ready to, you know, ready to go. The problem is, is if you smashed your bike into a million pieces, well, let me back up and say, whatever session you start, you have to finish with that bike. So it's not like you could go out in a 40 minute session, crash your bike, run back to the trailer, tech it and get back in. 
Okay, that's not the possibility. But the possibility is if you're Jason, you and I, you're the rider, I'm the I'm your dad and I'm your crew chief and I'm your mechanic and you wad the bike up and we have a rolling chassis. Now I've got to put a motor in, electronics on, all this stuff and we're rushing. What are the chances oh. that something's going to go wrong, right? Well, so first it's, off, it's about safety. This 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 rule and now that you've explained it to me is better than the one we had, okay? It's mm-hmm. way better than the one we had. Here's my thing. You're talking about the safety of throwing a bike back together, especially when you're not a big team. You're a dad and a son. And then what ends up happening is you get four people that come over and volunteer their help. And that's great. But now you've got five people working on a bike for your kid. And you, and you know, as a dad, I'm sure you'd be wanting to make sure that everything is getting buttoned up 100% correct, right? Because everybody wants to help and that's fine. The thing is, is that a two-bike rule to me, as big as our country is, it's like there's a there's a huge expense in traveling from California to New Jersey, okay? As a as as a rider, a parent, a sponsor, whatever the case is, I'd much rather prepare another bike, have it on the trailer, okay, ready to go. Because I've invested so much money in getting to where I need to go that it would suck if I go there with one bike, destroy it, because I'm not allowed to have another. Now, Greg, the way you're explaining the rule to me, if I'm ex- if I'm understanding this correct, let's say that you roll out of pit lane and on the second lap, your motor blows up. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to run back to the pits and jump on another bike. Is that correct? That is my Dur- understanding. During that, se- of during that session. That session. That's my understanding of it. So for me, I go like, listen. We've already got one foot in the lake here. Why don't we just throw both feet in the water? And like, just because it doesn't make any sense. Like, in other words, like, I think a two bike rule is smart. I think it's great. Are some people not going to be able to afford it? Yep. That's just the way it is. That's how it was for me when I was younger. Like, I didn't have the money to afford two bikes. But if someone would have said, if somebody would have said, well, you know, you can have two bikes now or whatever, because we've grown up in the rules over the last five years where there's no two two bike rule right yeah it's like chassis and motor and all that had to be a rolling chassis other than in superbike so all you could have is fork swing arm shock right and then you have to put a motor in and do the rest of stuff yeah the first two three years that i raced i only could afford one bike but i always wanted to have two and then the second that i'm like okay now the, the the big to in order for me to understand the expense that it's taken me to get around the country it actually it's cheaper for me to build a second bike. Because if I never use that bike, I can sell it at the end of the year anyways. Now, here's the here's the argument about the two-bike rule that you guys used to have, okay? Mm-hmm. Where you'd have two bikes available. And we agree, man, if you have a rain bike set up, if you have a dry bike set up, if you have two different setups and dry, and you can test things and all that kind of stuff. The thought is, and I actually tend to agree with, with this thought, the margin is going to favor the margin of speed is going to favor the larger teams that can afford more people. So I will give you this example. If there was a two bike rule, JP and Rocco Landers is going up against Josh Heron. Who Uh do you think is going to benefit more from having two bikes? Josh Heron's team, right? No, Rocco or, or Rocco Rocco. Cause he doesn't have the personnel to actually build a bike and, all that stuff. No, 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 no. What I'm oh. saying is I'm saying two bike, not, not, not oh. backup bike rule. I'm saying two bike oh. rule. If we're looking at the two bike rule where you had two bikes that were allowed on pit lane riding, you know, who's going to benefit more 
the Josh Herons of the world or the Rocco's that doesn't have the resources. And that's really the issue because you can see that like a, a warhorse team is going to benefit more because they have more resources and maybe they can afford to have another mechanic working on the bike. So two bike rule is basically a bike. Let's say that I destroy my bike. Mm -hmm. I can go into my trailer, roll this thing off, have tech come over, tech it. I'm good to go for the rest of the weekend instead of building a bike at the racetrack. That's the distinction as opposed to a two bike rule, which was the old way we did it, which was two bikes get teched, two bikes can be ridden. The only rule is you have to start, you have to finish the race on the chassis that you started on, right? On the bike that you started on. Yeah. That, that, that I don't think is ever going to happen again. I don't think we're going to see that. That's what they do yeah. in MotoGP at the highest level, right? But they don't do it in Moto2. They don't do it in Moto3 for a very specific reason. My issue has been with the, you can only have a rolling chassis, say, in Supersport, is if someone wads their stuff and destroys it in warm-up and you have a, a 1230 or 1 o'clock race, having the team, like you're saying, thrash to get that done is more dangerous and you take the stars out of your sport. You potentially yeah. take, and we are ultimately. There's so many different arguments business. on this whole case, but I'm glad there is. Moved. But but I'm glad we have the, 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 the rules change. The rules change. I like it like that. I think it's better. I think if you can't, if you're complaining that you can't get a second bike, that you don't can't afford a second bike to race, and that other teams have an advantage, the answer is yeah, that's true, and it's professional mm -hmm. motorcycle racing, and that's the way it is. Just as you dreamed about having a second bike, I always dreamed about having a second bike in a way. A second yeah. bike to ride, not to take care of or or yeah. towed around. Uh, anyway, yeah. here's another rule change. We talked about it on the broadcast at the end of the season. Uh, Moto America is going to be going to world superbike type transmissions. It's going to be available. So you're going to have basically your transmission choice. You can either run the stock transmission with first, neutral, second, third, fourth, or no neutral, first through sixth. And you get to choose your gear ratios. And that's that. And then the other yeah. one is, and this is interesting, and it's kind of more interesting to me, on the Twins Cup side of things, the minimum weight has been 297.6 pounds. They're raising the minimum weight to 338 pounds. And the reason wow. is, in talking to Teague, is that he hasn't seen a bike. They have not seen one Twins Cup bike that's like really under 338 pounds like oh no way okay interesting I, yeah and i think i think what it does is it reduces the temptation for people to start really trying to you know take stuff off that doesn't need to be taken off so it's not that big of a deal but i it's one of those rule changes where i go yeah i mean if you haven't seen one under 338 ever in the yep. in the how, how long has twins been around now jay four, four years, years now three years yeah four, four years. years yeah teak said that he built a ninja 650 oh years ago that was like 330 and he said that was like as thin as it could possibly be well then it's great so. i'm sitting there and i'm going man 40 pounds they're adding 40 pounds but they're not adding anything because essentially mm -hmm. the bikes that they've been the bikes that they have seen have been like you say at that at what their minimum weight is going to be that's what they've kind of been anyway so it's yeah that's and we're like recording a, this jay we're recording this tuesday right october 4th the rule book will be out um without uh um baggers it will the bagger stuff won't be in there but the rule book should be out either today or tomorrow so everybody's okay. going to get a good idea of what's to come i know on the baggers front they're going to make some pretty big changes one of them revolves around uh rev limits for those bikes and the second is going to be major parts that have to be available within basically six weeks of use which means that okay. 
Harley Davidson can't make a one-off swing arm and use it anymore. It's going to have to be available for people to purchase, you know, cams, like those types of things. So, you know, we'll, we'll sort those, those out as we move forward and, and it'll give you a list, but now you're in the know. So there is your news presented by Arai. Thank you. And you know, it's funny because that Harley class, that's, that's a complicated one. Like when you hear them talking about that class and the rules and the influences from Harley and from Indian and, Oh my God, it's a, it just seems a, a lot. So it'll be interesting moving forward. And uh, hopefully we'll, I mean, I don't think, that, has there been a schedule released yet? I know some of the tracks have released the dates I've seen yeah, online. No official Moto America no schedule. Okay, cool. No, they're still waiting on one major piece to fall into. Great. Fall into okay. Place. Uh, MotoGP, G-Dub, again, never disappoints. They were in Thailand and I was, like I said, I was back East which was a bummer because I needed those extra two hours <laughs> so I could watch it live being in California. I love these flyaway races cause I can watch them Saturday night, but um, you know, over, over in Chicago area, they were starting at one o'clock in the morning, midnight, two in the morning. Um, and so I didn't get to see them live, but I kept up on every single thing. Miguel Oliveira does what he does in the wet and goes on and, and wins another Grand Prix. How many races has Oliveira won now? He's probably Is that four. four five. I want to say God, it's four amazing. or five. Amazing. And he was pushed the entire way by Jack Miller. Bagnaya ends up third, even though he was getting closed down on pretty heavily by Zarco at the end of that race. Marquez Mark finishes fifth. Bastianini. Maverick Vinales did a really great job moving his way forward, as did Alex Marquez. Jorge Martin slid backwards, ended up ninth. Bender ended up 10th after getting ran into by Alicia Spargo, who had to serve a long lap penalty, came back by, got back by Bender. But, you know, at the end, Bender ends up beating Alicia by a second. Uh, Rins 12th, disappointing. Morbidelli, Paula Spargo, and Raul Fernandez got the last point. I got to think that Marco Bezzecchi starting from pole position and finishing 16th after showing some real good progress and promise early on in the race, Greg, had to be a pretty big disappointment. But... Big news. Quattro ends up 17th place, 34 Yeesh. seconds back. I mean, wow. That's that's pretty insane when you think about how far back that guy ended up. And for the championship, I mean, it's just absolutely killed him. Two-point lead I think he's got now going into this next round at Phillip Island, Greg. Um, I mean, there's so many different takeaways that we can have from this race. And... I don't know where you want to start. I got to start by saying Miguel Oliveira was amazing. He kind of just hounded Jack Miller early in the proceedings, passed him. Miller got back by him. And I love the fact that Jack pushed him all the way to the line. You could see that the two bikes they were on were both better in different sections of the track. And uh, Jack Jack did a good job. I mean, it actually looked like it was pretty interesting because I know the Ducati's fast. So down the front straight and they go through turn one, that next big long straightaway. The Ducati was really, really good. Um, but Jack was actually good in a few of the infield turns, and Oliveira was really good in a few of the turns. The last so, sector is what what won Oliveira that race, ultimately. Correct. Because Miller would gap Oliveira and quite a bit in the first two sectors. That last sector, and Jack talked about it too, he just knew that he was kind of you know, a sitting kind duck. Kind of a little and, bit hosed there, huh? I mean, dude, Petrucci, yeah. I think, finished eight seconds behind uh, Quartararo in 20th place eight only eight seconds i, I know the Oliveira thing to me jay was more impressive because i think he was like eighth 
on the first lap. By the way, he has won five MotoGP races, so Oliveira yeah. fans, sorry about that. So Jason's right, as always. However, the spray was pretty gnarly. And it was. It was it, it it looked more there and there were certain spots like the straightaway was really bad. It reminded me of the time when I used to, when I raced a BMW boxer cup at spa. And I know you don't want to hear these stories, Jay, but um, spa has got the downhill start and then it yeah. goes uphill and it becomes because of that elevation change on the start. When you're graded as far back as I was, I think I was last row or second to last row or something like that. It's very nerve wracking, man. Oh yeah, you, you know. I, I mean, I'm sure you've and... experienced it in world endurance at yeah. times, but you know, I, most of the time you're out front. So when you're Miguel Oliveira, you're not, you know, Petrucci in 20th having 19, you know, bikes spraying on you at 160 mile an hour. But still, to get around that, navigate through that spray until the race started to spread out. And I think that was part of it. I think vision's a big deal at that track, and we really saw things spread out. So the fact that well, all those tires, the way those tires are built, the way those tires are built and the way they throw up water is what causes that issue. So, you know, you look at somebody like Danilo or whoever that ended up 40 seconds back it, the first two or three laps, they may have lost 15 seconds because he can't Seriously, see. It's so, so crazy. So that, to see. that makes it, it makes it really, really hard. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, that the big, the big thing that's playing out right now in MotoGP for me is just how many allies Ducati has for Bagnaya, you know, and it's, it was really interesting to watch. There was a part of me that was like, is Miller going to, is Miller going to throw this? Is Miller just going to be the ultimate teammate and just move over for Bagnaya? I was really hoping I didn't see that. Zarco, you could tell when he got to the back of Bagnaya, Zarco had pace. I mean, he had pace to win the race. And in the sense that I think Zarco, if, if it's not Bagnaya, if it's Jack Miller or any other Ducati rider, Zarco has a, a real go at, that position, but Zarco knows where his bread is buttered. And I think that he, he thought, well, I'm here now, unless something really, really opens itself, I'm not doing anything. I saw where Jorge Martin came out and said he would have done whatever he could to get by. If he had the pace that Zarco had, he would have done everything he could to get by Bagnaya. Um, but Zarco's in a different, Zarco's in a different position, right? Like when Ducati has something to test in a race, Zarco's the guy, right? Zarco saved his career. When you think about it, they saved him. No question. Zarco yeah. is not in the conversation of going to the factory ride. It's nope. not. He's just in a different position. He's not in the twilight of his career, but he's not in a place where he's going to be on the red bike anymore. Well, I mean, and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, if he cleans out Bagnaya, it's... The, the, oh, you my know, God. Yeah. Please. And, you know, Bastion, he needed a nice job getting himself forward. He said he was really uncomfortable during that race and... But you know, Jay, let's he, talk he about Pecco because Pecco's nice last time now. in the rain, yeah, Pecco's last time in the rain was ass. Yeah, so the fact awful. that he's really turned it around, and you know, you know, if you go back and you look at how many rain races there were in 2000 when uh, Kenny Roberts Jr. won his championship, there were more than usual. You know, and you're talking about a time when Valentino Rossi was was you know they were Honda at the time was working on just introducing traction control and they struggled a bit and the old Suzuki that Kenny was on and he was really, really good in the rain and you got to leverage that, you know, rain happens. And so the fact that Pecco was able to pick up the speed and finish third and Quattararo wasn't, you know, it looked, it could rain the rest of the season. Right. Yeah. It, and yeah. if this trend continues for Quattararo, he's going to lose his championship by a heap. I mean, he could lose the championship by, you know, you know, 70 something points, but it's, and it's funny you say that, G-Dub, because I was texting, 
I was texting with somebody last night that said the weather doesn't look that great in Australia, like the long range for forecast. So I'm actually oh, is that pulling right? it up. And they said the weather actually looks really, really grim for that, like the whole week of Yeah, but of it's it. still it's still almost two weeks away. Or it's a week and a half away at this yeah. point. Yeah. Right? I mean, because Miller's getting married this weekend and then they have the that's right. the round. So it's still a week and a half away for that. So luckily we have Portimao coming up and then for World Superbike and then we have uh MotoGP after that. But I don't know. It's it's um the rain race to me are always really difficult because it's really hard to to take away MotoGP shockingly didn't have a session in the wet. I mean the forecast was 70% on Friday, 80% chance of rain on Saturday, 90% on Sunday, and they ended up having all dry sessions with the exception of the MotoGP race itself. Yeah. Uh so you know, that knowledge and that wet weather setup and all that kind of stuff, I think, played a big role. Quateraro was shockingly out of the points, like you mentioned. I mean, and, crazy. It's crazy yeah. to see it that bad to me. Yeah. It's so I interesting mean, to watch that track, though, because the way the rain fell, it was like really heavy in one part of the track and not in the other. So you really had to had to use your brain. But yeah. I think Alex Marquez was somebody who needed a result in the rain. He's been pretty good. He was okay. Maverick Vinales had a, yeah, kind of chipped his way through. So I think Brad Binder was a bit of a surprise considering the pace of Miguel Oliveira. I thought Brad Binder might have gone a little bit faster in the wet. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. You know, I like Miguel Oliveira, dude. I love when we get, when they get to talk to him after. I think he's really well spoken and he's, you know, got a good perspective and, the fact that he's going to stay on that bike next year with gas gas team, you know, which is just KTM, you know, but they're making it factory gas gas for, for the tech Trois team. I think, uh, I think it's better. I think it's better. Wait, they, wait, wait, wait. Hopefully wait, they wait. have a good off season. Um, but I thought Oliveira's going to Prilia RNF team. Oh, is that what well, he's going to gas gas? No, wait a second. Paul Spargo is coming back and riding that thing. Yeah. Paul. And who's his teammate? Why am I why am I losing my mind right now? I thought the RNF team was going to be Oliveira and Fernandez on that all on that team with the Aprilia. And the Gas Gas team is Are we losing our minds right here? We're going to get just just No, you're just, right. So uh, so RNF is Oliveira and Fernandez. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then right I now they've got uh for the Gas Gas team Paul Spargo went back there, right? Yeah, Paul but Paul's going back. And Remy, because uh, Remy's oh, gone. Oh, uh, Fernandez. Isn't Fernandez is going, right? What? Oh, Augusta Fernandez. That's exactly right. Augusta the other Fernandez. Fernandez. It's Augusta Fernandez. The other Fernandez, yes. And Paul Sparger on is. the gas gas bikes. That's exactly yeah. right. So I'm pulling up the weather right now, and currently it's pouring rain over there. But as of Tuesday next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're calling for rain all four of those days. So this is a 10-day forecast for Phillip Island. I mean, man, that could throw some serious – question marks into things and if but but then again i mean for yamaha it's just a disaster i mean crutchlow by the way he's riding amazing cow is riding really really well but he's not going to go i mean it's hard to say what he could have done with quattro because he was on the back of quattro and then just you know he's not going to pass him is he i mean cow's not going to pass quattro or bender none of the yamaha guys are going to try to beat him now morbidelli was up the road 12 seconds or 16 seconds or whatever he was. So he was already gone. That's he a big ask for him to roll out. Yeah. Correct. Plus, well, plus if, if Morbidelli drops back, what happens? 
Quadraro gets 16th and still no points. Correct. And no so, points. so like, it's you, you a weird do something for the team. But it's like, you know, the other thing too is when you look at Alasia's situation with what happened to him in Japan and then what happened to him here, Alasia has actually given up a couple of big point scoring races as well at really the wrong time of the season. I mean, Greg, he's only 20 points back. And what was incredible is during that race, they were talking about if Miller wins, he's going to be 35 points back with three races to go. And I'm sitting there thinking there are so many guys still available to win the championship on paper. And you know, that's the main thing is that it's all about, you know, you got to run all these races. There's three races to go. You got Australia, you got Malaysia, you got Valencia, you got 75 points on order. If you're 35 points back, that's still doable. It is. Especially so, with the way this season has ended up people hitting the deck rain. Yeah. It's, it's a good story, but it's, Pretty look. Well, look, Alesh is 20 volatile. points out, right? 20 points yeah. out is Alesh. Now, if you remember what year was it, Greg? Four years ago, three, four years ago, when Alesh and I believe it was Andrea Iannoni actually led at Phillip Island. They actually, I believe both Aprilia's led that race at one point. Um, I can't remember if that was the race where Marquez kept going around. You know, they were supposed to pit within a certain window and he didn't. Do you remember that race? And he yeah, went I one lap too that. much and then it was like a yeah. shit show. Um, so, I mean, this championship to me is still wide open because you got Bagnaya. He's got all these guys kind of allies, but Bastianini is, how many points back is he, Greg? He's 39 points back. Bastianini could still win this championship. Um, Miller Miller's, could still win it, technically. Miller's 40 points back. So, mm-hmm. we're, like, legitimately right now, the top five guys with 75 points on, on hand, there's 40 points separating the first five. And the guy that's leading that is having some trouble. I mean, what's Bastianini and Miller going to do? They, I mean, and Ducati, if they put all their eggs in the Bagnaya basket right now with some of the results yeah, that he's had, do, we, do you? I don't know if you do, do that. Do you? That, I mean, Bastianini, yeah. maybe, but he races for Grassini. Grassini's a customer of Ducati, right? As you know, like just as much as Pramac is. You saw if you watch post race coverage, any of it, you could see that the like the 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 main principles for freaking factory Ducati went down and talked to the Pramac team, and they were kind of like mm, because we knew that Zarco had winning pace, but they, he did the right thing for them. So you're like, mm, okay, what was going on there? The other thing is, dude, you punted Miller. Here you're asking Jack Miller, who's going to go to another manufacturer, to basically, uh, you know, let his his lifelong resume, race resume, potentially suffer and roll out of it and let his team win. I, I don't know. I mean, Jack's a really, really nice guy, but I don't know if I was in Jack's position if I'd do it because what are the consequences if he doesn't do it? Yeah. If you had a chance to win a GP race and Pecco's not doing it, who's responsible for that? I mean, Ducati yep. let him go. I understand they're paying him and all that stuff. Like, hey, if you're watching this live on YouTube, <laughs> go ahead and yeah. comment in the section below. Smash that subscribe button. We're not on YouTube, people. But no. that's the kind of but, thing where I'd love to hear from people, you know? Well, it's pretty wild. I mean, the whole scenario right now is crazy with three rounds to go. You got five guys in the championship. And I'll tell you right now, if I'm Jack Miller, I'm still trying to win. If I'm Anaya Bastianini, I'm still trying to win. Trying to win. Because Bagnaya has Word. shown himself to make some big mistakes. Quattararo right now, if it's raining, he could be a guy that could go and score no points again. And when you look at it then, you're looking at Alesha at 199. And that means that that Jack Miller is only 20 points behind Alesha. I mean, he could still get top three in the championship. It's So, 
you know, the guys that I think are going to come into play will be the Zarcos, um, Marini, Bedzecki. What do those guys do? They're probably going to be a lot more apt to wanting to try to help Ducati win the championship. Jorge Martins already signed again with Primac next year, and he's probably a little bitter he didn't get the factory seat. So he just wants to go win races for his team, I would assume. Um, Martins the only one I could kind of see because he's, you know, he's the beast is going to the team. So you, the one thing you don't want to do is piss off the bosses of the team you're going to. So he'd well, probably say that, nice but race. he's. I'll tell you, at Mizano, he got awful close a couple times to the rear wheel of Bagnaia, <laughs> like really close. And then even was in, uh, was it show. Japan? Wasn't it yeah, in Japan? I no. I mean, right. it's uh, it's it's pretty wild. It's nuts. Mark, Mark Marquez it's- ended up fifth in this race, incidentally, since we haven't even spoke about him. Thanks uh, for that on my fantasy. I I, I, I dropped Vinales and picked, wow. up, picked up Marquez. Nice work. Now, here's the thing I will say about MotoGP Fantasy, which we play, by the way, and the winner of this league is, we're going to talk about it here after we get done with Moto2 and Moto3, but I had a chance to pick up Bastianini um, in Fantasy two weeks ago. He would have, like, and and his price went up 100K and took him out of my price range. So I was so pissed. So I had to settle for Marquez because I had to dump Vinales. All right. Well, we'll talk about some of that in a little bit, but... All yeah, I'm saying I, is take the opportunities when you have them, people. Okay. Yes, exactly. Got to make the no, most of it. No doubt. Because no you'll doubt. end up like Pridmore. You'll end up like I'm me. making a big comeback. Anyway, Jason, MotoGP is crazy. I can't wait till hopefully, you know, the weather isn't the deciding factor for the championship, but it's going to be fun anyway. But speaking of yeah. crazy, crazy, let's talk about Moto2 because it was friggin' nuts. Did you get a chance to see it? I, you know what, Greg? I watched it. And what was funny is I knew something weird was going on because the, you know, they, they had a, the telecast was like an hour and 45 minutes on the website. And, and I'm sitting there going like, <laughs> yeah. like, wait, something's going on here. And you know, it was, when I saw cam go to the front, I was like, Whoa, this is going to be great. You know? And then of course that didn't quite last as long as we all would have liked it to have lasted. One uh, yeah, like it lasted nice. like four corners or something. So yeah. he ended up, he ended up sliding off. I mean, Joe rode amazing. He ended up eighth. Um, but it was, well, let me sum up, let me sum up the story. Let me sum up the story. So, so they're on the grid. It rains. Okay. It opens up. They'd already had, I think, wet session, whatever. So you're on the grid and you're having people trying to make some decisions on what they're going to do tire wise. The race finally gets going. A couple teams didn't get their tires changed in time. So they had to go behind the pit wall, all this kind of crap. They get the race going and it was like drenched in one part of the track. Bobier goes from 11th on the grid yeah. up to second place, crashes out. But there were bikes flying all over the place. I mean, way yeah. off, not in the green. I mean, they were off into the freaking, you know, way out there and stuff like that. The race settles down. It gets red flagged, but it wasn't two thirds distance. So they have to restart the race. It got red flagged because it started to rain really hard. So they wait, 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 wait. They get the race started again for the short. I don't even know what the laps were that they were going to run. And it rains on the warm up lap and they red flag it and they call the race. And in doing so, cutting it short, they have the points. So the winner, instead of getting 25 points, gets 12 and a half points. Yep. That's the story Jason talked got, about. Got half it. Our, our Bellino ends up winning, which was 
pretty wild because it looked really sketched, didn't it? I mean, it looked sketched. Yeah. Salix was second. Kanet was third. I mean, Kanet, I mean, it's like everybody's thinking, when's Kanet going to win a race? I mean, he's got to win a race, doesn't he, by the end of the he year? Led, he led this race, too, or reeled in the did, leader yeah. and stuff for a little while. Dixon, yeah. Dixon did a good job. He got re-signed again, as we saw, with that team for next year. So it's good for Dixon. Lopez, who's been kind of the standout this year, ends up fifth. Your boy Agura ends up sixth. But he in turn, beats Augusto Fernandez, which is important. We'll talk about that in a minute on, as far as championship goes. Roberts ends up eight, like we talked about. Joe did a nice job. Cuba uh, Viete ends up 10th. SDK, dude, he got all the way up inside the top 10. He ends up 11th, and I believe scores his first championship points of the year. So super pumped for, for Sean. Uh, Sean Dylan Kelly there in 11th. Baltus, Hada Arenas, and Schroeder ended up. So when you start looking at championship, Greg, um, you know, it really is coming down to a shootout between these two guys. Uh, you, you know, your guy, Agura, is right there with Fernandez, and it's 234 to 232. And, I mean, again, we had this discussion last week of who we think is going to be able to do it. Now, I, you know, great theoretically, when you look at the next three rounds, Phillip Island, they're, ta- they're calling for rain right now all the way through that weekend. That's going to be interesting. Malaysia, we know what it does in Sepang. It could rain on a, (laughs) like in a second, it can rain in Malaysia, can't it? Obviously, it'll be very hot and sticky, but they have, they have, I mean, we've seen a number of races there in the rain. And then, of course, you got Valencia in November. I mean, it's pretty wild when you think about it. it. You could legitimately, the weather could be the big untold story here that could help decide this championship and in, uh, in Moto2 and in MotoGP. So it's going to be interesting. In Moto3, did you watch any of the Moto3? Oh, yeah. Sure oh, did. Yeah. did you get a chance? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, Moto3 is great. Um, it, the guy it, it who was, I, yeah. It, it, it was uh, up front. It was, it was not that exciting. It wasn't that it exciting, is. but it's always like crazy of what's going on, and especially with the championship stuff. But Sergio Garcia ended up getting taken out. Did you see that crash? Yeah, that was. Whew. I, listen, I don't want to trash the people that Adrian, do our job in the Adrian heat of the Fernandez moment. Is there? Oh yeah, yeah. But they kept saying that he lost the rear. I, I'm 99 percent sure that he ran into the rider in front of him and then 100%. lost the rear. Well, Adrian Fernandez like, high sided in front of him, and he ran into the, like it looked like he ran into Adrian Fernandez. No, bike. but I'm saying I think Adrian Fernandez high sided because he had contact with the rider in front of him. That's what right. I think happened. Yeah, if yeah, you go yeah, back agreed. and look at it, agreed. then uh, it's irrelevant. I mean, the bottom line is is that yeah, one of your championship contenders uh, yeah. basically got cleaned out. But Sergio Garcia, it's his own fault for being that far back in the pack. Correct, correct. And Guevara's done. Uh, not Guevara. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Guevara. He's done a great job. Yeah, Guevara. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 clean. Guevara. Faggio wins the race over Sasaki uh, over Ricardo Rossi. Uh, Nepa Guevara Moria Mariah. Uh, Mino, um, uh, Jami Masia ends up eighth. Munoz, who's exciting to watch. That kid's going to be pretty good. Uh, once he starts to kind of get his racecraft down a little bit, he's a little bit young, but Munoz will be good. Yamanaka, Hogado, Kelso, uh, Carlos Tatai, um, Artigas, and Scotty Ogden end up as your points finishers. But this championship, Greg, is the one that's the biggest in of, you know, of kind of all of the championships. Guevara now has got a pretty commanding lead. Uh, I think he can wrap it up. Maybe not the next round, but the one after that. What's it? 216 
216 for Dennis Faggia. That's how far back uh, Garcia's fallen now. Garcia and Guevara are teammates, and they were both battling for the championship. Garcia's gone backwards. Faggia's up to second at 216, but 265 now mm. for for Ethan Guevara. So this championship's going to go all the way down. Uh, probably It'll probably get through the next one, and I believe this kid will win the championship at Sepang unless, obviously, Faggia has a problem and, and Guevara wins at the next round. So MotoGP was... Uh, was exciting and good this weekend, Greg. Moving on, this weekend, we got Portimao in Portugal, and we know Gagne is on his way. He's already over there. He told me he was getting over there the Saturday prior. I really, to be honest with you, Greg, even up to this morning, Simon was calling me, and he's got some stuff going on, and we were literally going to be like game-time decisions. Should we go? Should we not go? Who knows if that'll change or not, but I would have really liked to gone over there. Um the championship Me battle. Too. I was in the same. I was in the same boat you were, dude. Like, yeah, literally, the go. decision got made this morning that I'm not going. So yeah, it's such a fun mm. place. Like Portimao, such a great. Never. It's been, just such but... a great, great, great place. I it's where I was this time last year. I was there this time last year. I went to Jerez. I went to to Portimao. It was awesome. Um, I, I I'm just gonna straight up ask you. I'm gonna straight yeah. up ask you this question, and I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see what you say. What's Gagne's best result of the three races? Sixth. Wow, dude, that's so weird. What do you think? Sixth was my my prediction too. I, I listen. Gagne Gagne is as good as any of those riders in that paddock. No, there is zero question on talent. I he's on the bike, but it's different, right? It's different. That not the oh, transmission yeah. so much. It's just it's it's a little bit different tires in that situation, and I just think that. The riders up front are so comfortable. Look, if he breaks the top five, dude, if he, if he even breaks the let me, top Let me 10, explain something to you, okay? I don't want Greg and I to sound like idiots here because a lot yeah. of time when a rider goes and does a wild card entry, it's usually like, come on over. We're going to get you on a bike and we're going to get you, we're going to get you, you know, we're going to get you with our team and this and that. The biggest advantage this kid has in his favor right now, he takes his guys. He's taking his guys and his bike. He's not going over there and riding some other team's motorcycle with some crew chief and some data guy. He has taken the guys that he's been staring in the eyes for the last two years that he's got a lot of success with. He knows this racetrack and likes this racetrack. I think that when you sit there and you look at it all, it's much, it's a much bigger, um, the playing field is evened out a lot more for Gagne just in the fact that he gets to take his own crew and he gets to take the bike that he's been riding. Don't you agree? 100%. 200%. Hundred percent, two hundred percent. It's That's, such a that to big me is the thing that we don't thing. talk about that often. There are very few riders that I can think of that won championships with a new crew in their first year. Very few. Well, and you know the thing you got to remember is that when you go over there, it doesn't matter how happy you go over, how everything is. He could be over there meeting early with the new team that he's going to get to ride for there on the weekend and this and that. At the end of the day, man, the the track time is so limited. And until you get on that bike and really know what you have, you don't really know what you have. And so when you get on a bike that you've never ridden before with a crew that you don't know, you're automatically at a huge disadvantage compared to everybody else. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. He knows the team. He knows the bike. He knows the That's track. The trust. It's the trust. It's the trust Everything. of the crew chief yep. listening to the rider saying what you're saying makes sense to me versus, and we've seen this in MotoGP when Americans used to get one-off rides from Miguel Duhamel to Ben Bostrom to Roger Hayden to Jamie Hacking, you know, when they got those rides, the, 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 the resistance to make changes that they wanted, 
it wasn't because of an ego thing. It was because, well, we don't do it that way. And we're not really sure that any changes you make, you're thinking of are going to make a difference. Now, Jay, I just did click on worldsuperbike.com and they have yeah. a story front and center about Gagne coming there. Right. And what's interesting is, is that they actually interviewed three people to get their opinions on what they think Gagne will do. One of them is this guy named Wayne Rainey, three-time 500cc oh, yeah. world champion. Heard of him. Uh, yeah. They they talked to 2009 champ Ben Spees, and they talked to two-time world superbike champ Colin Edwards. Now, to summarize what they said, uh, this is like in and amongst a quote that Wayne Rainey is talking about. Uh, I think he wants to do well for himself, but also for everybody else in Moto America. For me personally, I think realistically he can get top 10 and anything above that is going to be all on him. I'll clap whatever it is. Ben Spees says he's got some really fast guys he's racing with. I think he's a top 12, 10, top 10 straight away. And then it gets difficult from there. Pace wise, he's definitely a top 10 rider right now in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Colin Edwards says it's going to be tough for him for sure. Those guys out front are running phenomenally well with a blistering pace. I think if Jay can get top five, top six, that'll be something to be proud wow. of. So, well, yeah. it's good that we're thinking the kind of the same way as Colin is. Six was the place that I had in my brain. Also, it just and pops in. Yep, me too. And and it's um, I don't know. Hey, hey, I just think. Let, that, let, let, let me ask you this real yeah. quick. Any extra pressure on Gerloff this weekend? Because now Gagne's coming, American-wise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I feel you on that. I, I I agree. I They're both the kind of guys that seem like they get along with everybody. Like, I don't think that Gagne's going to go over that. there. It's not that. But what it's about like, what well. about the Yamaha side of things? Like, where are we? Where are we? I'm not going to say that Jake's going to go over there and run with Top Rack. But I'm saying, like, if that kind of came about, does, is Jake handcuffed? I got to think he's not. There's no way you can handcuff him. So... In the sense Look, of championship wise, trying to help top rack. Yeah, Yamaha uh, Europe has been, according to Stamboli, everything conversation I've had about this, they have been very supportive. They have been forward with information. They've given him basically, you know, all the information and stuff that he needs. Yeah. This is not funded by Yamaha in the US or Yamaha Europe. This is a passion project by Richard Stamboli. You know, yep. it's 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 a one off ride because, Jason, you and I know that Stamboli loves a technical challenge. And I think just the fact that you have different suspension on it, the fact that also his team ran Pirelli tires in the Daytona 200 is is a factor involved in how this whole conversation got started. But the fact that Stamboli gets to try something new with the transmission and try something new with suspension and get in the brain of what Yamaha uh, Europe has been up to and, and all that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's more that in, in talking to Gagne, he said it is a passion project. So I think that ultimately Gagne is smart enough to know that he is not going to stick his nose in places that it doesn't belong. If there's a championship to be won, he's pretty I don't smart. think it's, yeah. he's smart. He's got another year with Yamaha. Yamaha still Yamaha. However, I don't necessarily think it's just a Yamaha thing. I think it's probably a championship thing in general. But if Gagne mm -hmm. can go get a result, he's going to get a result. But Jake is not riding to get a ride in World Superbike. Let's make that abundantly clear. Yeah, He yep. is committed to being back in the United States next season, winning that championship. He's happy to be in Durango, you know, in his, his current yep. situation, all that stuff. So I don't think – hey, Jay, look, if somebody if somebody rolled a Brinks truck and backed it up into his yard and said, let's go World Superbike racing, and it was on a factory ride, I think yep. Gagne would definitely consider it and go. 
Why not? Yeah, but I also Every- think that if he was able to talk Richard into doing something, I mean, Stamboli is such the he is such the piece to this puzzle that I you talking about full time World Superbike? Can you imagine? Yeah, oh no, I'm God. just saying hypothetically, it'd be amazing. Like I think hey, that if Rob Muzzy stage- did it, right, Jay? Rob Muzzy oh, did yeah, it back in the '90s. 100%. Yep, he did it back in the '90s. So did Frachi. Frachi was doing both yep. championships yep. over point. here. The thing you got to remember is that that when you get around a special individual like Richard Stamboli, the the thing the thing is is that there's not a writer that has worked with him that wouldn't admit that Richard's extremely bright, extremely smart. Um, I don't know too many writers, Greg, that have had their time there that have not enjoyed it. Like to be honest, I think um, for me personally, it was it was amazing times. I mean, you look at Ben Spees, Richie Alexander. You can go down the list. Josh Hayes. He has he has a championship mentality and he knows what he's doing. Doesn't leave any stone unturned. I, as to a lot of our crew chiefs are like that in our paddock, but I'm saying that Stamboli is just a little bit. He's a little bit different. He's been in the trenches. He's been that guy that nobody's really given a chance to. And when he's got the chance given to him, he's just ran with it and done nothing but been successful. As a writer, if I'm on a, if I'm in Jake Gagne's shoes, how old is Jake? Do we know? They're twenty nine. Yeah, twenty nine. So, if I'm if I'm him, it would be hard for me to like. It'd be hard for me to to leave here, go somewhere where I don't know anybody, and give up that connection that he's got with Cornwell and all the team that are there. Will and all the guys that are in that team are all great guys. I mean, like, yeah, who you got there? Matt Canfield. There's there's a group of them, like six eight guys, mm-hmm. six seven yeah. guys that are just solid. And when you have, it goes back to what we talk about so many zillions of times. He's got everything. He's got the bike, got the team, got the crew, got the, got the beliefs. It, it, it's a winning, it's a winning atmosphere. If he could take all that, bottle it up, and take it to World Superbike, I think Gagne would go in a heartbeat. But it's gonna. I don't think he'd be the kind of guy that would just leave to go sign for another team and Look, get himself Jason, into that. Place you, we talked about really a girder know. earlier, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I think that if you look at motorcycle racing in general, car racing might be similar to this too in some series. The sport rewards youth more than it does age. And I think it's you know, it does, and it kind of and it, and it kind of sucks because it, you can ride these bikes now. Yeah, we talked about really Josh matter. Hayes is a perfect example, yeah, right? Matter. That's what we talked about. So it doesn't I think matter. at 20, so, yeah. 29 to go back to World Superbike, I think it's a big ask. Um and, and it's World Superbike's loss because Gagne is, I've said this and I will stand by this, one of the most talented motorcycle racers I've ever laid eyes on. The fact that you take a guy in the middle of a stock thousand championship who rides motocross for training and he qualified for a freaking pro motocross race on a shit box track and literally the worst track in the history of tracks. If you talk oh. to like the people in the now, they they say there was literally Miller Motorsports Park, the the the, the national that they ran there, the motocross national was the worst track in the history of anything. It was awful. The so it would have been fun to see him go to a real track. Exactly. You just, I, you just can't take that away. I mean, the guy's no, really talented. I'd love can. to see him on a never flat tracker, can. see what he could do. So, yeah. uh, anyway, that's going to be exciting this weekend. Uh, you know, when we actually get back to the championship we're talking about, uh, you know, it, it's not as as exciting as we'd hoped it would be. Alvaro Bautista, as of late, has been on fire. It's kind of the reverse yeah. when he was on the Ducati from four years ago, right? He's got 394 points. Top Rack's got 335 as of late, Johnny Ray has really been struggling, and, and Top Rack got back into second place. So Ray's in at 327 points. There are some press releases out from Kawasaki that I haven't read yet that are talking about that they have possibly some answers this weekend. But 
I just like you're talking about Jay. It, it, I'm I'm so conflicted with balancing and not balancing. Like it should be up to the rider. The problem mm-hmm. is with the current World Superbike is I am convinced that Johnny Ray is still right at the top of his game, and he's as fast as Bautista. He's as fast as Razgatlioglu. I think that the rules maybe hold that Kawasaki back a smidge. You know, yeah, uh, but the fact dude, that when that you bike watched that Catalonia built, race, the Yamaha wasn't close either. There was nothing close to that Ducati at the last round. I nothing. Know. And I and know. and the fact of it is, is that when you see Top Rack running around in seventh and eighth place, are you kidding? Yeah, like, it's pretty sad. Come on, man. We know. Like, and 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 I had some people come up and talk to me about what I said as far as penalizing the Ducati. It never gets talked about. Nobody ever talks about penalizing the Ducati no. ever. And 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 I'm not. You know, and again, I've got all my buddies back in New York, all my Ducati friends that sit there and think, oh, you just hate Ducati. I don't hate Ducati. <laughs> I just think that I just believe that, you know, that bike right now is superior. It just is that much better than anything else out there. It really, really is. And Batista is an incredible rider, taking nothing away from him. But you can't watch that Catalonia race and not think to yourself, wow, those guys are seriously, seriously taking a, a spoon to a gunfight. So, and then, and then, and, yeah, and the and the rounds that they're coming to, the the rounds that they are actually coming to right now, um, are they're gonna it's gonna be tough for them. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Port them out, port them out for what it is. Um, it's busy. It's really really busy. So those guys will stay closer, but the run out of the last corner up the front straightaway and down the front straightaway is so long. You have no idea how long that is, Greg. And you know that bike. That bike's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to beat that Ducati again, I think. Mm-hmm. And um and 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 then you're gonna have that tight racing. It's gonna be crazy because it's a place where there can be a lot of stuffing going on at that place. And by that I mean close racing. So we'll we'll see. I wish World Superbike would do some special thing. Like if you're in the States, you know, if you have a States IP or something, that they do a, maybe a one weekend pass because if you're not if you don't have the world SBK.com pass, video pass. You should definitely get it. I but don't if know. If you what don't have it is. and you're a fan, you're, it's it's the. I mean, look, it's it's a hundred whatever, it's a hundred dollars a year or a hundred and thirty. I don't even know what it is. It just renews renews. Well, right, million, but right it's now insane. it's at thirty four ninety nine euro. Mean, it's a joke. You know what I mean? So to get all the content that you get and watch all the races and yeah, no better no better way to watch it. So I'm really We're looking excited. forward to it. I, Me too. I'm gonna be out. I'll be out of Chuck Wall all weekend, so I'll be out there. Um, watching all this stuff. So I'm excited about keeping so up. Do you on not it want and... me to text you like even practice times and things like that? I mean, no, I know I race. I keep my I mouth shut. I'm smart that. enough to know that Yeah, because that. I'll if I tell it. you, if I'll I tell you race results, you'll just straight up break up with me. And then I, you know, then what'll happen? <laughs> Never. I'll be lost. Never. Never I'll be lost without Never. you. MotoGP uh, fantasy. Hey, just real quick. Uh-huh. I jumped, I jumped way up. G-Dub. I'm making a, I'm making a big comeback here. You know it's bad when you're replacing. Could, can you define Gian big? Antonio? I'm, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I've gone from 278th to 223rd. Yeah, but I'm not even. You know what? This, here's the thing with you and I. Okay, I'm not even looking at your results. What I want you to tell me is what's the value of your team? My team value was 19.9 million dollars last week. It's now dropped to 19.6. What's the value of your team, Jackass? We the started with my 50. team, right? It's 17, I think it's 17.1. Oh, okay. Well, you have made a climb because at one point, I think the low was like, I was you at, at 14.9. 
but, I, yeah, but I've had Bastianini has done well for me. Miller's done well, so yeah. their values have gone up quite a bit. Um, hold on. And and I've got – how about I had to replace – I replaced DeGi Antonio. Do you know who I replaced him with? Uh, no. Um, Crutchlow. It's a good move, man. Crutchlow. But I had Crutchlow's... I had no choice. I got – I mean – does Antonio is worth a Russell million? Russell got bucks. you 0.5, right? He got you half a point, I'm sure. Yeah, he got me half a point. But look at you. But I think look at you, you baby gorilla. But I got nothing. But dude, my team's not bad. I got Miller and Bastianini as my golds. I got Martin as a silver with Crutchlow. I I had I dude, I don't have you know what you what are you gonna do? Hey, dude. What, hey, what, what are you gonna, gonna do? do? Dude, slow to stoked. I will say this. Slow to stoked, okay? Sitting in second place in our fantasy pool, trying to win that Arai helmet, is at 1763 in terms of points. Now, three WSMC champs is at 1771. So you talk about a nine and a half point spread. However, Soda Stoked is doing it on a 17 and a half million dollar budget. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Three SMC champs is at 20 million. However, Soda Stoked has one turbo left. Champs has two. Now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. You better use those damn turbos, man. I mean, like you got nothing to lose if you turbo. You might as well. I, I, I used one last week. Finally. I know you did. I saw that. You get, I did. I Pecco, that Miller. was a pretty good chunk of corn. That was good for Miller, you. Miller did all right for me. So I have two to burn. And right now I'm 34th. If you remember, I saved them all. Uh, I saved the last two to the end last season, and I was able to finish second in the pool. Now, with that said, I'm at 1621. So I am 150 points back. That's what you call no shot. Absolutely no shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a bunch of $1 million riders that I have to choose from, which just sucks. So it's kind of like on the weekend, I've got to decide if I Pick want Petrucci. like, if I got Paul Spargo, I got uh Morbidelli, Deji Antonio, who's dead to me now. I don't even, I will not oh. put Antonio on my team. How yeah. does he keep a ride? I don't even know how he keeps a ride. It's so bizarre yeah. to me. You get rid of Remy Gardner and you got a guy on a Ducati that like, there's guys that are, they're like, there's guys that are right, like Crutchlow. How can Crutchlow be worth more than Digi Antonio? Guys done two great two races. Anyways, it's all good. We are uh, we're we are moving forward into next week. We got a lot of things going. G Dub's going to be doing what he does, and uh, which <laughs> I don't know what you do, but um, I'm going to be out riding again for a weekend, which I'm excited to do. I'm excited to just like winter's here. Get all the get all the family together back out there and have a little bit of fun. Simon and David wanted to kill me last week. Yeah, he wasn't. I'd like to not. I'd like to not issue a public apology to David Kolb for what we said last weekend. I was going to go another step with it. Even you know go what ahead. I was going to do? I was going to say it would be fun if we gave if we gave Kolb's uh, Instagram account stuff away, and people if people would could write a message to Kolb about. <laughs> No, stop! Just the, the guy is like <laughs> a like a he already wants like to a, kill me. One hundred seventh degree black belt in in crab yeah, McGrab or what, what's that kill. form of martial arts yeah. called? It's, grab my it's crab. Like, it's it's grab Krav my crotch. McGraw. Crotch my. He'll yeah. he'll whip some he'll whip some ass. You know what I mean? He won't. I mean, he he'll never break me. into the forty. What's his fastest lap time at Chucky? Oh, dude! It, like now it's repaved too. If he doesn't go faster now. Yeah, whatever. I, I can't keep. I, he's going to kill me, so I can't keep on. But anyway, Jason loves you, Kolb. That's all I want to say. I th- anyway. I just think that they're factory rider for a day next year. There might be a, more room on the trailer. So if, if anybody out there wants to come ride all the racetracks with us, just you know, get in touch with us. By the way, we just found out that Loretta Lynn 
the famous country singer passed away. She's an AMA no, motorcycle really? hall of famer. Yeah, she just passed oh, away today at 90 years old. But is, uh that's if you if you ever she was great amateur for, motocross. She was great for the sport, huh? Yeah, I and mean, that's why she's in the Hall of Fame. I mean incredible, incredible yeah. lady. So wow. hopefully her 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 people still who are gonna be managing the the ranch will still allow uh you know the amateur motocross Man. series to continue. I mean that that is the AMA amateur motocross championship is so famous people just call it Loretta's. I mean that's that's how how kind she was so to cool, allow the Coombs family to run that thing for all those years. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, you know, Greg, I, I gotta say too that I know um and I gotta get his name right because I don't I don't know him at all. Um but Chrissy Roos, the writer over in BSB, I think his oh, name. Yeah. He you know what it's funny because the only reason I know the name and all that, because I know he's I think he's he got hurt pretty bad this weekend also. And I I'm trying to pull stuff up because I'm I'm just did this on a whim, but I got to really listen to some of his commentary this year. If I'm, if I'm honest at the Suzuka eight hour, you know, cause Stevie English was in the booth. And then I think when Stevie left the booth, they'd bring in a couple other guys, but he was in there doing a good job and he seems like such a great young man. And so we're pulling for him as well. Cause we know he had a pretty big accident at Donington over the weekend. So, you know, thoughts are, uh, thoughts are out with him also. Cause uh, you know, he's battling a, a head injury. So thinking of him too. All right. And finally, before we roll out, I'd like to say, um, Jeff White, if you're listening, because you're downloading this on your trip home from Bali, he's been in Vietnam and now he's on his way to Bali. And he sent me a text yeah. this morning saying, I just downloaded the podcast, man, to listen on the way to Bali from Vietnam, dude. It, it was really good. So if you're listening this late, <laughs> the code word is Boston Breach, Jeff White. Wow. Text me Boston Breach if you're listening this late in the podcast. That's really half cute. the time I don't believe he listens all the way. You know what wow. I mean, JP? Well, now all of his friends are going to tell him that you said that. So yes. now you he doesn't have any friends. Kind of I'm fine there. That. I'm good. I'm you safe. Just kind of blew it. All right, everyone. Have a great week, a great weekend. Enjoy World Superbike. It's going to be awesome. Good luck, Jake Gagne. We will see you guys all next week later.